Who says tech can't be human? Always having, I guess, some sacred time at the end of the day. And there's no TV in my bedroom. My phone is telling me around 8.30, hey, it's wind down time. Then kind of starts to get my mind settled down and then making sure I've got a good night's sleep to then start over and do it all again. Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. Hey everyone, it's me, Simone Biles. As a world champion gymnast and a former foster kid, I've faced my fair share of complexity, and I've learned that the concept of controlling complexity is about more than just overcoming our own hardships. It's about helping others overcome theirs too. After all, in the face of enormous complexity, the best not only find a way to adapt to the challenge, they also find a way to give back. From now until the end of the year, Axonius will make a donation to Friends of the Children for every demo completed. For more details and to sign up, go to axonius.com slash friends. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash friends. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. And I'm so excited this episode because we have Breath of Fresh Air, someone who's always a light in the room, a positive source of energy. Our guest this episode is Brad Liggett. Brad is the leader of the Intel team for the Americas at Cyber Six Guild and also a friend of the Hacker Valley media family. He's also in our Discord. Brad, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate that. It's great to be here. Thank you. Brad, a.k.a. Bliggy, what we call you in the uh, Discord. (laughs) Super, super pumped to have you on this episode. One of the things that we talk about all the time is being one of the most important skills to have as a practitioner, have as a cybersecurity leader, is this concept of mental agility. As things change, you adapt. As technologies change, you adapt. As new attacks are happening, you adapt. As things improve from a process standpoint, you also adapt. You have spent a lot of your life doing improv. I'd love to hear how you got into doing improv and what are some of the insights that you've taken from improv and brought it into cybersecurity? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I've only recently gotten back into it, actually, which has been a lot of fun these last few weeks. I've teamed up with another family member of the Hacker Valley family, Jonathan Wood, and we've been attending drop-in workshops on the weekends these last few months. And it's great to just get back and sharpen that skill set again, because prior to that, it had been about 25 years since I was doing improv on a regular basis. Wow. That's a while. And I've never done it. Chris has been trying to get us to do it, but he's also <laughs> been trying to get us to do stand-up comedy. I'd probably start <laughs> with improv. But I got to ask, when you reemerge into the workshops after such a long break, what'd that feel like? It felt like I was doing it for the first time, to be quite honest. We would come into these drop-in classes, and I'm sure you could find them in your city, so definitely look for them. But we'd go around the room and introduce ourselves, and they would ask, has anyone had any exposure to improv before? And I would say, yes, but it's been since 1997. And so we all get a good chuckle and say, okay, you're a newbie again. 
first I got to ask, is Jay Wood any good? He seems like the type <laughs> that, that is pretty good at whatever he does. I'd be curious to hear your perspective. He is a natural. In fact, after the very first class that we did together, first of all, he had people in stitches. These are typically 90 minute sessions on a Saturday afternoon. And he immediately walks in. We do some warm ups, and he's just in the zone and has people in stitches. I'm mm. telling him that he missed his calling. He's just a natural in any social situation where whether you're at a happy hour or whether you're at a team dinner, he's always going to have questions. He's always going to be curious. And I think that he brings that in and then just can think on his feet so quickly that, yeah, he has people just cracking up. I love it. And when you think back to maybe your early days or maybe even when you reemerged into improv, is there a, a memory or a story that you take with you that impacted your cybersecurity career the most? Is there a skill that you called upon during a, an interaction with a customer or maybe a problem set that you had to deal with where you could really lean on that improv muscle? Sure. Well, I think the whole basis of improv is this whole concept of yes, and you're always wanting to move the scene forward. And so certainly when I was younger in my career as a, either in network security or even when I began doing sales engineering type work, the whole concept of moving the meeting forward and making sure that there's no uncomfortable silences, be prepared, have an idea of what you want to talk about. But inevitably, the client you're talking to, everyone's going to be unique, especially in cyber today. Everyone's environment is different. They're running different tool sets. They're maybe at a different maturity level. So always having this concept of being curious and moving the scene forward or talking about different things, I think is something that's really helped me quite a bit in my career. So let's talk about some of the other things that have helped you with both, because I would imagine that when you're doing something like improv, you're pulling from a wide variety of skills or things that you know. And same for cybersecurity. We're dealing with an unpredictable attacker that is constantly finding out new things. What do you think is the nexus or the glue that holds these two interests together for you? Sure. That's a really good question. One thing is just always being a learner and always reading and always thinking through things. I think back to when I was doing this back in the 90s. One of the things that we would do during the week is go see a movie or watch the latest TV series. Because in improv, you're always asking the audience for suggestions for a scene. And if they throw up like a Seinfeld reference and you haven't seen that Seinfeld episode or haven't even watched Seinfeld at all, for example, you're not really going to have a good way to get the scene going or that type of thing. And so I think the same thing occurs, especially in cyber with the latest attack vector or the latest way that they're running their TTPs. You always have to be reading. You always have to be aware of what's going on in the environment out there in the world so that as those things come up, at least you can somewhat talk to them and start to put those pieces together. When my real first exposure to any, aside from like your local improv, has been a Middle Ditch and Shorts. Have you watched that on Netflix? No, I haven't. See, this is a great example where I guess I haven't done my research. Definitely check it out. I think right now they have three episodes. And what they do is in the very beginning, they pull a bunch of information from the audience, much like you're saying. And then they go through an entire hour of doing improv. 
And I tell you, like from my perspective, I know comedy is subjective, but they seem like they're some of the greats out there because I'm just in stitches the whole time. I'm even baffled by their ability to remember some of the details that they pulled out of the audience later on in the episode. When it comes to having a memory and keeping track of conversations when you're having a a conversation with cybersecurity practitioners, is there a mental model that you use to remember, oh, this is a problem that they're dealing with, or this is something that I need to be sure I bring up at the right time? How do you mentalize these conversations, whether you're up on stage or talking to a practitioner? Yeah, so that's a really good thought. Obviously, always taking notes, and I'm not trying to write down literally everything they say word for word. But the things that stand out, I'll want to make sure I put a little asterisk next to it, write it down. Because inevitably, when they mention something, especially since I've been doing this for as long as I have, there will be something in my mind that kind of pops up. And I want to make sure that I tie the two together at some point. And especially in improv, we would write things down on basically a really large form notebook and have it off to the side of those things because the callbacks are really important. And the callback meaning, like you say, you get through maybe 30, 45 minutes of the sketch and this whole time the audience may be thinking, oh, they're not using this suggestion because it's too hard. But then 30 minutes later, when it comes back into play and you have that quote unquote callback, that's when people go, oh, there, nice work with that, yeah. And the same thing goes with working with clients in cyber as well. So I pick up on things. I don't want to cut them off. I don't want to cut off the flow. And so I'll write these things down off to the side. I have a whiteboard desk that I sit at. And so I've got these dry erase markers and I'll write these things down as they come up to make sure that by the end of the talk or the end of the meeting that we've covered everything and I'll make sure that we come back to these things that I've heard. Got a question for you. Okay. Do you want to play a quick game of improv? <laughs> well, what do you have in mind? I'll be the judge and I figure maybe you and Chris could be the improv actors for the subjects exactly (laughs) let's do it okay so i did a quick search on like what are some improv games or improv exercises and one of them is sell it to me this is the world that we live in today either Mm -hmm. when you're working at a cybersecurity vendor or trying to get your stakeholders to buy a product is very challenging but let's say chris is the stakeholder You Mm -hmm. are the cybersecurity practitioner that needs to sell to your stakeholder. And what you need to sell to them is a new browser technology, a new, safer, more secure browser technology. I see that's one of the trending topics when you look (laughs) at emerging tech. So you need to sell Chris, your stakeholder, hey, I need $150,000 for this technology solution. Okay. All right, let's do it. So that's what we're going with. I'm down. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> and you get a bonus point if he cries or laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> so now I have to really mesh two worlds is what you're saying. The professional <laughs> cybersecurity vendor world with comedy. So exactly. making him laugh at some point. Oh boy. <laughs> and we're not on video. So are we I on a phone call? can't make a funny call? face. Uh, yeah. Are we on a phone call? Yep. You're on a phone call. Okay. Coolio. All right. I'll answer the phone. Hello, this is Chris. Hey, Chris, it's Brad here. I don't know if you've heard of our new technology, but I'm pretty sure that you're looking at your Google Chrome browser right now and you have an update button in the top right-hand corner that you haven't clicked. 
Oh, how did you know that? I'm looking at the same one myself, honestly. <laughs> but what if I told you that my company has a new browser technology that will do all of this in the background, as well as keep all of your people in your organization safe from many zero-day attacks moving forward? Wait a minute. So you're telling me that if I bring your organization in, whatever this extension is, you're going to enable my entire org to not have to worry about updates ever again in Chrome and we're protected against zero days? That's what I'm saying. In fact, we're going to replace Chrome. It's not an extension. We're a whole new browser. Whoa, now you've piqued my interest here. A whole new browser. Why in the world would I let grow of my beautiful Chrome? I have all of my beautiful bookmarks are there. I have all of my saved stuff. I have notes. I have all these extensions for my other applications. Why in the world would I switch from this beautiful Chrome to your browser? That's a great question, Chris. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Did that count as a laugh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. It does. And you know what is so funny about this situation is I, this is how a lot of calls go, just like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> word for word. <laughs> I was thinking that and I was like, wait a minute, how can I get myself out of this? Because this is starting to sound like an actual sales call. <laughs> That's too funny. So when you're going through a scenario like that, completely unprepared, is there something that you're pulling from? Is there experiences that you're pulling from? Is there anything that I'm saying that's leading you down a different pathway? Like, how does that work from a, a mental standpoint? Yeah, it could be. And it goes back to actually practice. Practice is a really big piece of not only the improv world, but in my mind, even when it comes to cybersecurity sales. And in, in fact, I've had some conversations here really recently with a few people that we don't practice enough. We think about, especially the improv comedian space during your time off, you're doing research. Now, granted, you're watching TV or watching a movie, which you're probably going to do anyway. But you got to pick up on these things. Improv artists, too, will practice every single week before the shows start for the weekend. That's something that we did. We had shows Thursday through Sunday every week. And on Wednesday night, we had practice and we would just play improv games. And if you didn't practice on Wednesday night, you weren't performing that next weekend. So that was the thing, too, that going into thinking cybersecurity sales, things of that nature, some of the best teams will practice and will role play, especially if there's maybe a big meeting coming up. You have to plan for what are the gotchas that may be thrown in there. And that's where somebody in the role play comes up with the various scenarios that may get thrown at us during an actual meeting. Through a combination of technology innovation and human ingenuity, NetSpy helps organizations discover, prioritize, and remediate security vulnerabilities. For over 20 years, the NetSpy cybersecurity experts have helped some of the world's most prominent organizations, including nine of the top 10 U.S. banks. Visit NetSpy.com forward slash HBM to learn more. That's N-E-T-S-P-I.com forward slash HBM. Thank you, NetSpy, for sponsoring this episode. We also are big fans of visualization. If you were to role play, you find some opportunities. Maybe if you're doing improv, you find a nice area for a joke. Or if you're planning for a big meeting, you might want to go over with someone first. And then there's an element of visualizing as well, where you can 
see the things that didn't come up in the role play that only exists in your head. Sometimes we're a little bit more honest or maybe even too honest there. And you get to find out even more. Do you ever think about what you're going to say before you get there? Like maybe you're driving to the improv. You're like, oh, I want to try out this new thing before I, I show it to the world. But you're doing it mentally. Does it ever happen? Absolutely. I'm constantly having those scenarios play out in my head. And that's the thing about improv too, that it can be very difficult because you can walk on stage thinking you're going to take the scene one way, but if you don't open up the scene and somebody else does, and then give assigns you a different role than you thought you were going to be, you have to go with it and you have to take it. You have to say that yes and keep the scene moving forward. And I think definitely the same thing goes with prepping for meetings with various clients. And you always have an idea in your head where this is going to go. But again, you have to be able to listen. You have to be able to react. And you have to be able to keep that meeting moving forward. Now, I'm, I'm putting my practitioner's hat on and I'm thinking of scenarios in which I need to yes and. But there tends to be a little bit of inertia. And one thing I'm thinking about is new technologies. There are folks that have built their entire careers around one specific technology. And what happens if that technology goes away? Sure, we can fight it all we want. But really what we need to do from that perspective is say, yes, this technology is coming and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to make sure that I'm still as proficient as a practitioner as I can be. Is there any parallels that you can also see from improv to cybersecurity that maybe we're not even thinking of? One of the things coming into this show and some of the prep that I was doing, again, doing that visualization of what we would say, one of the things that I thought about over the weekend specifically was, yes, and how you all in these recent episodes that you've done about the Department of No, cybersecurity being the Department of No, and thinking that yes and in the Department of No are an inverse of each other. So when it comes to cybersecurity being that leader and not being the Department of No, perhaps there is a way that if we adopted more of not only yes and, but maybe yes because, then we can start to kind of bring all that in together and not be so much that department of no. I think there's a bit more to it. And I think there's some more that you could share on top of it. And we know that you love games, not just video games, but board games, crosswords, Dungeons and Dragons. And I think when we bring that element of play into work, it changes everything. I try to do that as much as I can. I appreciate that Chris, you know, is my partner in crime and he tries to bring play in as much. But I think Maybe some organizations do or don't. What has been your experience with like games or bringing an element of play in cyber? That's a good question. So th speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, it's something for me that I only began during COVID. We were facing this lockdown, the two weeks to flatten the curve and nobody going out. And somebody texted me and said, hey, do you want to join this D&D group that we're getting together? We're going to play on Discord. It's all remote. We've got nothing else to do. I said, yeah, this is great. Let's get into this. And here we are a little over two years later. This campaign is still running. I've had a great time with it because it's this whole theater of the mind. We're not around a board. We don't actually have physical dice that we're using. And we don't even really have a map per se, maybe like a, a high-level overview. But that dungeon master that's creating and building this world that we all have 
using this theater of the mind, I think has been, it's been a lot of fun for me. In fact, I think a lot about maybe tabletop exercises. And those are something that I've been wanting to explore. How can we take this theater of the mind, maybe even some improv type skills and exercises and put them into the cybersecurity tabletop exercises that companies are running. Yeah, one of the things that you're mentioning now is these ideas of tabletop exercises. And I think of some of the smaller games that we used to play in different teams, which we did. Netflix, we called it Wheel of Misfortune. At another company, we called it something different. But what we would do is about every Friday, whoever was on a call, we would put them in the hot seat and we'd give them a fake incident that they had to respond to. We didn't have a lot of assets to show them, no logs or anything. It basically had to be this thought experiment, this thought theater that we have going on. And it's honestly a beautiful song and dance when it comes to giving someone an input. And then they say, okay, with that input, I would do X, Y, and Z, and then keep it moving forward. I think there's a lot of space to Ron's point when it comes to play and being able to have fun with cybersecurity use your creativity, because I think that's one of the things that we tend to push down a little bit when we're in our cybersecurity mindset, and that's the creativity of it. What are some other ways that you can think of that would bring out the creativity more in our work, more in our teams, and more in cybersecurity across the board? Yeah, I think it's being able to have that aspect of play. We work hard, but we also should make sure that we play and not only just do that individually, But even as teams, especially now that we're starting to open up and people are traveling, restrictions are getting lifted. I brought my team together a few months ago. We did a training in Denver, but then we took an evening and we all went to Meow Wolf. And I don't know if you all are familiar with the Meow Wolf installations, either in Santa Fe or Vegas, Denver. I think they're opening one in Texas here pretty soon. But they're this really immersive, interactive art installation. You could go through these and just kind of look at the art and say, okay, this is a lot of fun, but they also have storylines to them and puzzles to them. And you have to try to crack the code and you could actually spend hours inside of these areas. And that's what me and my team did. Anytime there was a computer terminal that we came across with puzzles on it, we just sat down and trying to break in, trying to find things, trying to find more clues, playing that different storyline. And I think these are things, too, that teams should be thinking about as they're getting out and getting together. It's not just always going to be about the training aspect and honing your skills and sharpening them, but you also have to take that time to have other types of these just activities that really brings that team together. Before we record here. We've had a little conversation and one of the things that we spoke about previously was your life having a lot of twists and turns, well at least your career having a lot of twists and turns, but ending up in cyber and feeling like it's a perfect fit. I got to ask, now that you've really shared with us just all of the joy that you bring in your life through improv, through games, through cybersecurity, what makes cybersecurity that perfect fit exactly for you? I think it's the ability to always tinker. I first really got into this piece of technology back in the early mid 90s when I got my first US robotics modem and dialing into BBSs and getting into IRC channels. And so I've always had 
this wanting to be trying different things, being on the forefront of technology, early adopter of all throughout my career. I've always wanted to play and tinker with technology. And I think that's why landing in where I've landed has just brought so much joy to me because it basically takes what I was doing anyway, tinkering in the back end. 20 years ago, I'd set up my own free BSD servers and set up blog accounts and photo albums so that I could share with my family when I went on these trips to other countries and go explore and do these things. And you got to think this was pre-Facebook days. It wasn't just that you could open up the Facebook app and post a photo and talk about the city that you're in at the time. And so these were things I would just do at night on the side in my free time and my spare time. So again, having just that tinkerer mentality of always wanting to get underneath the hood of things, so to speak, is one thing. Again, that's why I feel like I'm really enjoying doing what I do today in the area that I'm in. When we began this conversation, we were talking about mental agility and how important it is for a cybersecurity practitioner. We were saying things change all the time, the attackers, the threats, the techniques, the technology, the teams, the environments, all of this stuff is constantly changing. What is that piece of wisdom or a philosophy that you think that people could take with them into work tomorrow to make them a little bit more agile and a little bit more improvisational? Okay, you've got me there. What can they take tomorrow? <laughs> Whether it's a mindset or a way of thinking or a practice that they could take with them in order to be more agile when it comes to handling all the fires that they do from a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard to squeeze things in. The things that I've done personally is I carve out the time when it makes sense. To give an example, tomorrow I'm flying to Mexico City. And so on the plane rides, I will have my podcast list updated. I'll have my Kindle updated. And going into, that's when I will probably listen to the latest Hacker Valley. I'll listen to the latest Darknet Diaries. I will read the books that are on my to-read list on my Kindle. Another thing that's worked for me really well is the gym. The gym is something where I know a lot of people listen to music in their headphones in the gym, but for me, it's podcast time. That's where I'm squeezing things in. And so having the ability to squeeze in where it makes sense. And for me, it makes sense in the gym. It makes sense on an airplane and even downtime at the hotel. Obviously, we'll get a little bit of exploring in, but I'll also get back at a decent time because I'm there for a conference. And so I'll want to do some reading and I'll want to do some studying and I'll want to be ready for the day tomorrow. The next thing for me is always having some sacred time at the end of the day. There's no TV in my bedroom and my phone is telling me around 8.30, hey, it's wind down time. And that's when I'll dim the lights a little bit. I'll make sure that I'm caught up on the news. I'll do a crossword puzzle. And that then starts to get my mind settled down, starts to then I'm getting in mode for sleep and then making sure I've got a good night's sleep to then start over and do it all again. Gotta be prepared. Gotta take time for yourself. Brad, that is excellent advice. And thank you for jumping on the mics, taking some time out of your busy day and chatting with us. We would highly recommend everyone to check out Brad's social and stay up to date with him and all the great things that he's doing. We've dropped Brad's information in the show notes, no matter where you're listening. Brad, thank you again. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. 
If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee.